Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to the Core Leadership Podcast, a voice to college men at the crossroads of faith and campus life. My name's Kason, and I'm the producer of this podcast. We've got a great guest lined up today, but I'll let Gabe introduce him here in just a second. This episode is sponsored by Sky Ranch. Tune in later in this episode to hear a little bit more about Sky. But without any further ado, here's your host, Gabe McKinney. What restaurant makes more per restaurant than McDonald's and Starbucks and Subway combined? And that may or may not be a stat that is true or not. We saw it on entrepreneur.com. It's a restaurant a lot of people go for breakfast, but you can't go on Sunday. It's called Chick-fil-A. Maybe you've heard of it, maybe not. I'm here today with the Core Leadership Podcast with a very special guest, a Georgia Bucks alumnus and a current Chick-fil-A staff member. His name is Patrick Cousins. So welcome into the Core Leadership, Patrick. How are you doing? Hey, thank you. I'm doing well. I appreciate that. It's a nice little statistic. I like that. I don't know if you'll be able to verify that later for us, but that is um, something I just read this morning before we're talking. Patrick, I'd love to hear you just share a little bit who you are, where you are, what does life look like for you currently? Sure. I'm happy to do that. Um, So I am, uh, I I think you mentioned it, right? I'm a former box guy. I am from Georgia. I grew up in Georgia. I went to the University of Georgia and I loved it so much. I went back to the University of Georgia for my MBA just a few years back. So um, in the midst of that, I um, got a finance degree. Somehow they, they chose to give me a degree. And then um, I thought I was going to be an investment banker and the economy crashed and I ended up selling chicken. And so I haven't stopped selling chicken since. But it's been a pretty awesome, uh, awesome path. Uh, I met my sweet wife. Her name is Ren. I met her in Chick-fil-A. And so we are indeed a Chick-fil-A and we, uh, she still works at Chick-fil-A and we have a little two-year-old. So most days I do sell chicken. Almost every day <laughs> I try to, I try to control a two-year-old, um, and try to try to get her, um, watching less Mickey and playing more games. And, Amen. um, some days I try to do date nights with my wife. <laughs> it just depends, right? So multifaceted, but, um, yeah, I've been with Chick-fil-A for, I guess, 11 years now, Great. and we just moved to a little town on the northwest side of Atlanta called Smyrna because my wife is pregnant again. We need a little bit more space, awesome. so we're expanding the family and doing our thing. So Man, I've been in this huge, house for 14 huge congrats. days, I think. Yeah, thank you. Having, you're about to have a clan. You're about to be – it's soon enough you're going to be playing defense if you have too many That's kids right. instead of offense. That's how it works, man. That's why I hear well, what's your attachment, just how you got into Georgia Bucks? And I think maybe you were alpha class. I was. We were the original. We were not the founding fathers. Uh, we were alpha class. But um, really, I have an entrepreneurial mindset, always have. And so when I went to um, school, when I transitioned to school, I actually didn't have a great first year. Uh, we did not have a Christian-oriented fraternity on campus at all. And I kind of fell into a transitional, we'll call it transitional depression for a short period of time. And I was like, this is just terrible. I don't, I can't find people who are like me, like minds, like circumstances. And so I went out, my brother and I were in school together. I'm like, let's, let's start a Christian fraternity. Like there's this group down the road here that has a Christian fraternity. There's the colleges in, in Atlanta and some other places we now have a Christian fraternity. And 
So we talked about that. And as we did that, literally, I was walking through the dorm and there was this eight and a half by 11 piece of paper that said a Christian fraternity question mark. And it had an email address at the bottom. Wow. So I emailed that, that email address and it was the founding fathers. It was an email address for the founding fathers of a Bucks chapter at the university of Georgia. And so we went through it. We, uh, our first class, I was in Alva class. My brother was along with me, but our first class was uh, 24 pledges, I believe. And, um, and then we've just been growing ever since. The University of Georgia has an incredible chapter. And of course, every chapter has their seasons. Uh, I, I think they're probably, um, I'm biased. I think we were the strongest pledge class ever, but they are getting, continuing the legacy and getting stronger and stronger as an, uh, as an organization. Awesome. So I'd love to dig in too. So you did Bucks and you had your underground in finance and then you had, um, you went back for grad school and specifically now you're working for Chick-fil-A. What is your role specifically at Chick-fil-A now? And maybe you could even share after what that role is. How did you get there Then the journey there? Because I think a lot of guys have almost sometimes I talk to guys and I'm like, yeah, I may do this or I may go work for Chick-fil-A. It's like this weird pocket dream that they think I can maybe just go do that if I don't end up doing this other thing. But And you actually do it. And I think from previous talks, it's not the easiest thing just to jump into and do and get to this leadership position you got to. So I'd love to hear uh, a little bit. Yeah. What are you doing now? What was the journey there? Yeah, my journey actually. So the, I think the principle is man may have his plan, but God has the final answer. And that's scriptural, right? So yeah. I didn't plan. I mentioned this already. I was going to be an investment banker. And when the economy crashed, I started selling chicken. Um, and so I literally did that as a minimum wage employee. With I had a like a 3.9 in finance. I had a, like a really good GPA, all the things that you would need to be successful in business. But um, there were no opportunities. And so I worked for, like, I think it was like seven twenty-five an hour for a local operator. And I learned the business from the ground up. So I spent two years running his restaurant. Then I was recruited to run our Chick-fil-A Inc. restaurants around the country. Um, so I spent two years doing that, mostly in the state of California. And then I was recruited to be a marketing consultant at the home office, um, helping us do things like cows and billboards and all the things that you would probably know and love. Um, and then after three years of that, about four years ago, I was offered this opportunity to do a new role, craft a new role called Throughput Consulting. I've been doing that for about four years. Uh, and the, the tenant of that role is operational optimization in a restaurant. So the best way that I can explain that uh, without jargon probably to a general customer is if you've ever been to Chick-fil-A and there's a, a line wrapped around the building and down the road, um, I help solve that problem. I help us touch touch more guests, um, get more output by using our systems processes inside the restaurant. So that's what I do today. And I'm actually changing roles again in about four weeks. Uh, been about four years in this role and Chick-fil-A likes to keep us on our toes. So the role that I'm going into is a relationship management role. Um, I will have a market um, somewhere in the Southwest region, which for us includes Texas. So I might be coming to you. You never know. Oh, please. And, uh, yeah, so I will I will be the key relationship manager for about 35 operators, leading market strategy, things like that, uh, for a section of restaurants that probably aggregates to somewhere in the $175 million, $180 million range worth of, of chicken. So that's kind of what I do. The journey, um, most people think that, oh, I could just work for Chick-fil-A. It's not quite that simple. Uh, <laughs> um, we are it. always looking for great talent. 
But know this, like particularly for college, since our audience is mostly college students, and particularly for early career professionals, the way that I would say it, is that in order to be successful in any business, you really need to start learning the business from the inside, from the core of it. And, and so I would recommend anyone who is is hoping for a career with Chick-fil-A, um, there are some starter positions in, say, accounting or IT where you can probably transition pretty uh, at least relatively easy into Chick-fil-A. But for most folks that want to add value um, to our company, you're, you're going to have to learn the actual core business of selling chicken, making and selling chicken. And so I would recommend starting with an operator, a local operator, going to talk to them about like what are opportunities in their restaurant and what are opportunities to grow through their restaurant. Most of them have some sort of plan to develop talent. And that's uh, that's that was my story. That's why I could do what I get to do here at age 34 is I'm probably on the early demographic of folks that do what I do. Yeah. Uh, but it's because I spent a couple of years um, doing this kind of on a local level and, and learning the business from the ground up. Yeah. I love that journey. And I have a lot of questions going off of that. I think the first one is you were talked about, I had a kind of dream of to be an investment banker. And I think a lot of guys, a lot of guys in college have dreams that either never get realized or they end up uh, being disappointed or the expectation changes on them. And I think alongside with that dream, you've had continual transition every couple of years, like transition from this role to Chick-fil-A. Then within Chick-fil-A, you've transitioned multiple times. So I'd love to hear how does a guy in college right now, how does he deal with like my dreams either changing or being crushed or me, or how do I deal with a transition? Like, I'd love to hear how you've dealt with that as a man following Jesus and as a leader. Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. And I think the first thing that comes to mind, Gabe, is that what's more important, what you do or who you are, you know, I think that at the end of the day, like I could be an investment banker, but still like be the same person that God knit me to be right and I could sell chicken and at the end of the day it's not Chick-fil-A or bust either you know if, if God called me somewhere else I go somewhere else so I think like making your dream who you want to become rather than what you want to do is really a great uh, maybe a great principle to live by um, there's been a journey of you know your journey is always going to be filled with some moments of anxiety where your plan doesn't go according to your plan um, I would just say, um, be open to God's opportunities, man. Like, I'm just saying, like, you think you have a scripted plan that's pretty awesome, but if you open yourself up to take advantage of unexpected opportunities that God lays in front of you, oh my gosh, you'll blow your mind. I never thought at 34 years old to be traveling the country selling chicken. Never thought that, particularly not in college. Yeah. But it is incredible. I've met so many amazing people. I love what I do. I, I met my wife in the company. I have a little kid that eats nuggets on on Saturdays. Like, <laughs> how incredible has it been? So, um, I think focusing on who you are rather than what you do is number one. And then number two is just staying open to unexpected opportunities that God lays in front of you, and and just looking for them. And sometimes you actually have to pursue them right like you can't just expect something's going to land in your plate sometimes god puts things around you and you have a smart brain you're trying to piece things together and then you got to pursue something uh, i remember when i first came on to chick-fil-a really like when the financial um when the investment thing uh, crashed 
which by the way, we could talk about later, but that actually hasn't crashed fully. Uh, it's just, I've had to mature for 15 years to figure out what that looks like. Yeah. And I'm still on that journey. I might have to mature for another 15 years. I'm having a, I'm having a kid. You can't just like, you know, invest cash when you're having a kid anyway. Um, but on the journey, um, when the investment opportunity went away, I had a choice. I wanted to either go into ministry or I wanted to go into business and business would at this point be something like Chick-fil-A or something like that. Cause the investment opportunity was gone. I just struggled with that. I struggled with the tension of what should I do? And I had a mentor of mine who was uh, a pastor at our church and he said, um, you know, the reason why you have 80 hours, say you, you only work a 40 hour work week, whatever that is. In most cases, probably a little bit more than that. You can use your marginal time if you have multiple loves, right? And so he's like, I love football, but I'm not a football coach. I am a pastor, right? Yeah. And so um, I thought that was just fantastic advice. But on the journey, the other piece of advice that you told me, sometimes you just got to, if you have two really good options, sometimes you just got to choose one and then say, God, you know, if I make a mistake, I'm going to trust that you are powerful and all-knowing enough to where you can redirect me in the right way. And so I did. I just stepped out. It was not fun to step into a 7.25-an-hour job after having worked so hard to do so well in finance. Um, I just stepped out. Man, it's been an incredible journey. I could not have even scripted this thing. You know, I hope that answers the question. That definitely does. And I think... I know I have this problem. I've talked about it on a couple other podcasts. The difficulty of making a decision is a commitment that pushes away a thousand other commitments I could have made. And then I have to show up to that decision and commitment in a way that's faithful and hardworking and not be looking around and seeing what what's what's he doing? Oh, shoot, he had a finance degree and I did way better than what, and he's there. And instead kind of saying, God's given me this land. How can I work this land rather than compare and look around for what else is going on? So I'd love to, I'd love to hear how, how have you kind of stayed committed in this journey? You said initial yes. And you said you jumped in, you said, I'm going to take this leap and make this decision to go sell chicken. How, how, how have you stayed committed over years? Well, for a lot of guys, more than they've been committed to other things in their lives. They haven't committed to something past 10 years and you've been working at Chick-fil-A for a while. Yeah. Um, I think we, I, I live by principles. I try to anyway, I'm, I'm certainly not always fervent at it, but one of my principles is to pursue excellence as a mission, not as a goal. And so at the end of the day, if you operate, so a goal in excellence might be, Hey, I want to, I want to make an A on this test or whatever that is in college. Um, but if you pursue it as a mission, it's actually, it materializes in a different way. It's about who you are and everything that you attack, you attack trying to pursue excellence. And so, um, you know, even if it's selling chicken or operational optimization or relationship management, if I'm trying to pursue it as my mission, if I'm trying to pursue excellence as my mission, then ultimately I'll find success at the end of that. And really like that's, I think God put us on this planet to do that. Um, if we're not striving for excellence, if we're not pursuing excellence in everything that we do, then we'll, um, we probably won't reach the potential that we've been built for, but to kind of more directly answer your question, I think that when you do pursue excellence, you find fruit. And when you find fruit, you're motivated to sustain your, um, your 
your trajectory or at least grow in that trajectory. Now there are clear times where you need to pivot. Um, but in most cases, if you're finding that you, you have a tangible fruit to what you're doing, then it's actually kind of fulfilling that you're in the right spot. Hey everybody, Kaysen here again, just cutting in for a moment to talk about our sponsor, Sky Ranch Camps. I'm sure that each of you remember a man in your life who greatly impacted your relationship with Jesus. And for some of you, that may have been your dad or a brother, but for others of you, that might have been someone like a camp counselor. Well, for over 65 years, God has used Sky Ranch Camps to impact the lives of campers and families for the gospel. If you're looking for a life-changing summer job where you get paid to hang out with kids and families and tell them all about Jesus, well, then you should check out Sky Ranch Camps. They love Jesus, and they're all about building relationships with kids and families and guests in order to share the gospel and see people grow in Christ. Visit www.applyatsky.com to learn more. Don't just spend your summer, invest it. All right, now those of you who are real fans and didn't just skip through the ad, I've got something really special for you. We're giving away five Chick-fil-A gift cards each to 10 people, courtesy of Patrick Cousins. Each gift card is worth one free item, either a sandwich or nuggets, both of them fried or grilled, however you like it. Um, but here's how it works. You're gonna head to the link in our show notes and enter the code waffle fries just to prove that you heard this section. The link is only open today, November 16th, 2020, when this episode launched. We're gonna be picking 10 random winners at the end of the day, and we'll reach out to you via email to ask for your mailing address if you win. So get that done right now. Thanks for being awesome and listening in. Now let's get back to Gabe and Patrick. In your current job, you're younger than some of the other people who would be doing what you're doing. So what would you say to a guy who a lot of guys show up to leadership positions and they're younger, you know, maybe they're maybe even in Buck's world, they may be a sophomore trying to lead juniors and seniors and the you know, adult young adult world. They may be in their twenties trying to lead a new team or they may be trying to be a part of a team and they don't know how to do that and lead in a way that they're not the quote unquote title leader, but they're having to have influence in that group. So I'd love to hear you share what it's like being a young leader in a position, maybe you look around your peers are a little older in the same spot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget when I first came on to Chick-fil-A, I was 27. And I was interviewing, I, I say like Chick-fil-A Inc., not Chick-fil-A running the restaurants, but I was interviewing for a marketing consulting role. And my the person that was interviewing me, we did kind of an experiential interview where we went into restaurants. We were sitting in this guy's dining room and the guy that was hiring me said, hey, listen, we're sitting in this guy's dining room. And um, he's been doing this business for longer than you've been alive. Oh, man. How do you consult him over a food safety problem, right? I'm like, that's a good question. I don't, I, I don't know what to do with my hands right now. Like, I don't know. <laughs> so um, I have a lot of energy. I'm young. That's right. That's right. What I do know, I know more about what not to do than what to do. And what not to do, no one is influenced. So leadership is, is about influence. All right. Would you agree with that? I agree completely. Okay. Being a know-it-all, trying to have all the right answers, that's typically not a great influence strategy. And so I would say um, there are two, two pieces that are really great influence strategies. Number one is relationship. So know the person across, right now I'm staring at you through Zoom, but know the person across the table from you. Like what are their likes, dislikes, goals? That's important. How can you help them achieve their goals? I think that's number one. And that's, that's relationship, right? You got you to gotta have a relationship with them and know a lot about them. And, and that takes some time. 
But the second thing that I know is an, uh, is a winning influence strategy is holding a posture of being a learner. Really, like you influence and lead through conversation, but some of that conversation has got to be digging about learning. Because at the end of the day, what learning is, is admitting that you don't know it all and that you're better together, that the other person's, the other party's ideas might actually elevate your ideas. And as y'all are together, work together, um, they feel cared for because you're actually accepting their thoughts as well. So there's this idea of like, how do you hold a conversation that puts you in the posture of learning? Um, so that intertwined with relationship, I think that's the key. That's the way that you influence someone who's like been doing this business for longer than you've been alive. I'll tell you that right now. Come in as a, hey, I'm new to this. What are your thoughts on this? And then they start to get their insight and you ask, well, ha have you ever thought of this? And they start to discover uh, maybe a different path that's more impactful than what they've been doing for the last 30 years, right? So um, two things, relationship and, and holding a position of being a learner. Yeah, and I've actually talked to, I help lead chaplains and bucks, and I've talked to them a lot about they have these grand systems and ideas and projects and things they want to use to change the culture of their local bucks chapter and I have to remind them, and I'm the same way on National Books. I want to do a lot of things, but I realize without a relationship or relationships, the projects and the systems and the ideas, dreams don't really stick very well. Like they may sound really great when we first say them, but when people aren't attached to a team or a part of that or feel relationally bound together to run together, those those goals and dreams and systems kind of easily become, oh, that was a cool idea, but... Like this person isn't doing it with me or leading the way in any way. So I don't want to do that. Yeah. I think to build on that too, like if, if there's a great system process or idea and it sacrifices the relationship, then who cares? Like, what are we put on here for? We're not put on here to win systems to Christ. Right? Like <laughs> we're not put, we're not put on the earth to like to convert systems to Christianity and, and tell them the good news. We're here for people. And so at the, at the end of the day, that relationship, that people orientation, the idea of lead with care, that may be the most important principle in life. You know? So what do you do each day, Patrick, to show up to work and bring that with you, this relationships first, this learner first? Are there, like, who, how do you decide in the morning who you want to be so you show up and then your actions follow that? Yeah, this is going to sound super old, man. So just go with me on it. Uh, but I start with a cup of coffee and a time of reflection and time in the word, right? So like, if you can imagine like an old man on a porch with a cup of coffee and, you know, the Bible, that's probably me. But I think if you start off the day, the alarm gets, goes off and then you just go, 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 go. You don't have the time to center yourself in a healthy discipline. Um, so kind of realign yourself to your purpose, your mission, and the things that you, who you want to be, if you've already articulated that, it's another best practice, like thinking about who you want to be and what are healthy disciplines that will get you there. But for me personally, a healthy discipline that needs to happen every single morning is I got to get up with a cup of coffee, spend some time in the word, and honestly do some reflection and some journaling. And that typically centers me to start the day well. Now, throughout the day, some things may like wane or, or, you know, kind of challenge me in, in some ways. It's not always perfect, but I think that's a consistent discipline that helps set the day off um, 
pretty well for me. Yeah, I think I've heard from Ben Stewart. He's a Passion City, D.C. Uh, pastor of that church. And he says your identity will drive your action. And so whatever you believe your identity is and wherever you receive your identity, you will act out of that. And in the morning when you start not receiving, but rather just like not receiving from Jesus, but grabbing from something else or looking somewhere or really not even receiving at all, just kind of running into the day, your action can get out of line with who you want to be and who God's really calling you to be. So it's, it's sweet to hear you reiterate the point of the importance of creating a space where Jesus can speak identity to us so that ideally throughout our day we can remember, even if we're doing it well or not well, hey, yeah. this is who I am and who I'm meant to be. Yeah, here's the thought. and I, I don't know if you'll agree with this. It's just one man's opinion. But um, I think that there's a massive risk for college guys and girls, really, anyone in the college world right now, um, to distract them from healthy disciplines, right? Like, like spending time in the word. And what do you think that might be, Gabe? What, what, if I had to say, hey, what's the biggest risk to college kids right now? What would you say? Great question. I think, <laughs> well, knowing <laughs> we didn't prompt this, I just like threw that. No, out. it's great. Knowing college guys, there is more responsibility and space in their lives than ever before because online classes. I have to manage and steward all this time. I have no one around me forcing me to do it but myself. So I think the biggest risk and danger is that with the amount of time and the amount of responsibility I have, I misuse that and I become someone who is far from Jesus, far from community, and I and I end up being someone who's just you know, wasted a lot of time or find myself in depression or loneliness or laziness. And that just begins to affect not only me, but the people around me. So I think there's a huge fear of people that I'm like leading being disconnected and falling into a rhythm and a habit that that's how life's going to be rather than fighting to be connected to Jesus and one another by using our freedom with, with maturity, stewarding that to use responsibility for Jesus and his kingdom. Um, that's, that's kind of what I would say. I don't know what you would say to the same question or how you would encourage, how you maybe would encourage a college student right now who has a lot of time, who has this pressure to do a lot or maybe fall into laziness. That is huge, man. I I love that. That's a great thought. Um, and, and mine is, I'm going to like get it a little bit even more tactical than that, but, um, I spent the last kind of three years on a board at the college and, uh, what I've learned is that the levels of anxiety and depression in our college world today are far exceeding what I experienced when I was in college. And there are reasons why that society has changed in a dramatic way. But one of the major reasons, I think, uh, and I read a book about it, it's, really, it's a really academically inclined book, so I'm not sure, <laughs> not sure that I recommend it, unless you like that kind of stuff. If you like that kind of stuff, it's great. It's called Irresistible, and it talks about uh, the addictive nature of technology and that sort of thing. But when I was in college in 2004, a smartphone didn't even exist. Like the, the, the smartphone started existing in 2006 when they invented the iPhone, right? Then it kind of spiraled from there. So right now I was setting up uh, my, my smart house yesterday and I can control everything in my house through this smartphone, right? So it's amazing how things have changed, but with college students today and particularly with extra time, and not really understanding what to do at that time. And also, if they're not rooted in healthy disciplines, and we can get this way too, being sapped with, with 
whatever TikTok or whatever like social media um, effort is out there for you, um, and and using your time on that, uh, there are actually through this book there are tons and tons of studies out there that are talking about the correlation between anxiety and depression and device usage, and so like maybe a healthy discipline is to you know limit your amount of time. There's this you know part of an app called screen time. You can limit your amount of screen time on certain apps and that sort of thing. So that idea of trying to figure out how to get away from your phone is maybe a huge piece of that equation too. Because here's the thing, and you scroll whatever to whatever um, social media app, there's you will naturally compare yourself to other folks. And there are great things about those um, apps you get to connect with people you haven't connected for a long time, but there's also a lot of unhealthy things about those apps. I've heard it said many times in the Chick-fil-A world, comparison is the thief of joy. And so if you think about that, then what are you doing on social media? Really, we're just like researching all the joy. No one puts unhappy things on social media. So you right. look at all the joy everybody else is having, and then you're like, oh, well, why am not, I not experiencing that joy? But if you replace this with time in the word this i just held up my cell phone i realized we're audio only but you replace the cell phone with time in the word or time interacting one-on-one with your brothers man iron sharpens iron this thing's silicone glass and plastic it isn't iron right like the iron is that brother and so come on um i hope that college guys are able to if if they're able to recognize anxiety and recognize triggers of anxiety and understand that the way around that is being rooted in disciplines, but also sharpening themselves with the people they surround themselves with. I think that is a recipe for success in today's college environment. I kind of went off on a tangent. I'm not even sure that I answered a question. I think you totally (laughs) answered the question. I think you, I think question, the though? main point I got away was just eating more Chick-fil-A will cause less anxiety is what I take away from that answer. <laughs> uh, I'm no, just you're putting I, my kids I, through no, college, brother. I, uh, no, I truly think it's anyone listening needs to go back and listen again and just hear Patrick give a challenge and encouragement, an invitation away from anxiety and into a greater story and calling in Jesus through brothers and relationships and people. I think... And I think that's not just a calling that you just say you live it, Patrick, which is really sweet to get to see like, hey, we're not having to, what does this look like? You're saying, hey, this is what it practically can look like. And for me, just to share what it practically looks like in my life, the first 30 minutes and the last 30 minutes of my day, my phone is off and away from me. I'm not looking at it. That's not the first thing I intake. And then I try to take maybe a four o'clock on Friday until like, you know, lunchtime on Saturday to not be on my phone very much at all. And that's me just trying to take at least a 24-hour break every week. And then every morning and night, I'm not receiving a screen time and sitting in front of that. I'm I'm inviting Jesus into my day and I'm dep- and I'm um, taking, dissecting my day at the end of it with him as well. And so there's some just practicals from Patrick and I on just saying, hey, anxiety does come from comparison and we need to slow down and make space to to give that away to Jesus. I'd love to hear, Patrick, for you in your role right now. What is it's kind of chaotic continually. We're we're always moving and figuring out what to do next with Corona. As for sure, even Chick Fil A, I know, continues to make a lot of moves of how to how to do their business well. 
Um, so I, I'm just curious to know what's most important to you as you show up every day as a leader. What are you like praying into? What are you hoping for for yourself? How are you showing up? What's important for you as you lead? Is that specific? Are you asking specific for like pandemic era? Patrick or yeah even yeah kind of pandemic era Patrick this just like even today in this past week like what's important for you to for you as a leader showing up every day what are you focused yeah. on what are principles maybe you've talked about principles so maybe what are some principles you're trying to live into very specifically right now yeah that's good so at, at the beginning of COVID era I was traveling in fact when I first when they first said hey you're not traveling anymore I was on my way home from um, a trip to Chicago um, to visit one of our restaurants up there. And so when I came in, they just like stripped travel. They said, nobody's going anywhere. We're shutting down all dining rooms, still haven't opened dining rooms. So just a lot of changes. Um, and certainly you've had to be agile in that time, but there are two ways that, and, and for college students too, like they're saying, some of these seniors didn't even get a graduation, right? Um, they're saying, you're not going to class. Now some of you are, some of you are virtual, all, all these things. You're not getting the college maybe experience that you thought you would have. And so you've had to be agile, but there are two ways you can go. We just talked about this. You gain a lot of time because you're stuck at home and you only get Instacart. You can't even go to grocery stores sometimes, you know, um, you gain a lot of time. So there are two ways you can go. I think you, the polarity of this is you can create healthy disciplines, which you probably hear me talk a lot about healthy disciplines, healthy disciplines, or you can create unhealthy disciplines, right? I think those are the two ways to go. And so What's important for me to maintain, and it helps me kind of secure um, leadership in this in this season, is to maintain healthy discipline. So we drove into, Ren and I decided together, that some of the disciplines that we were going to incorporate is we're going to reduce screen time. We're going to increase exercise. And that's such an incredible healthy discipline that some people like and some people don't like. Um but to think about your body as a temple and making sure that you're getting the right nutrients, the, the right exercise that you need in order to perform well is super important and way easier when you have a lot more time, but you've got to be intentional about it. We already talked about quiet times, right? Family time for me has been incredibly important because when I'm healthy at home, I'm healthier at work. When we have a healthy home life, um, man, I perform very well at work whenever things are, are going well here. So I would say like some of those are, are healthy disciplines, but they're all wrapped in that bucket of, of how do I use my marginal time, my extra time, a healthy discipline. And you mentioned one too. So I've stopped looking at my cell phone at night before bed and I've started reading at night before bed. And that actually helps me sleep better. And in case you're wondering, great sleep is a healthy discipline. Who would have thought, right? Uh, like if you get a good night's sleep, no way. you're going to have a great conversation the next morning right yeah and so um these types of things are, are the things that we've wrapped our mind around alternatively i could have done something like you know watch sports center on rerun four times because i like sports center right or and if if you're a guy that likes sports and you haven't watched reruns of sports center you're actually lying because we all know that you do that if you if you actually have cable right that's right so that's something that you can choose to do, or you can choose to be a gamer and go and do, I, I'm not a World of Warcraft kind of guy, but you can go and spend your time doing World of Warcraft or whatever that is. Are those healthy disciplines or unhealthy disciplines? Um, but another thing that I would just say, like, keeps me grounded and keeps me growing yeah. is um, prioritizing time with friends. 
And so like, I do not believe in COVID era that regardless of which side of the political spectrum you're on or whatever, that a healthy life is a life alone. I just don't believe it. Yeah. And so find your pod and make sure there are people that you want to be like, because guess what? A person is a product of their environment. And then be with them a lot. I got five guys. Uh, I'm one of them. So four other than me that were Bucks guys. Um, and we still connect on a regular basis. We'll do Zoom calls or we'll do phone calls or we have a text thread. We're connecting all the time. And then through COVID era, I've gone one-on-one and kind of like seen them um, breaking the social distancing norm. Um, I'll say like those types of things fill up my heart to where I can pour out to other folks. Yeah. Um, and it's not just my peer group. It's also, I have a suite of mentors that I've pursued over time. And, um, those people help me think differently and they help kind of grow different aspects of my life. Specifically, my mentors are primarily business focused. So they help challenge me in different ways. Um, so that I continue to grow during this crazy era. So I'd say that's another healthy discipline is be intentional about time with other people who are sharpening you. I hear these themes in your life of almost a rule of life or a principled life that I hope yeah. college guys will go and, and research more because there's a lot of people who've developed ideas and different frameworks for what is it, what is a what is a rule of life what is a principled life? How do I build principles? There's, you can, there's lots of ways to do that. I know I read the common rule. It's a book that this early this year that taught me different daily and weekly habits. And so I love to hear you kind of saying that in a new language in a different way and how you've personalized it. Uh, it's, it's really helpful and amazing. I think it really does. Our disciplines create, create more devotion to something. And ideally that's to Jesus. And ideally that's to becoming men who are like him. And it sounds like, um, you're doing yeah. those things, Patrick. So Thanks for that encouragement well, and challenge. I don't know that I always do well. Here's the thing that I think that I think the words rule and discipline and um, things like that just have a really bad rap. And it's unfortunate because this, what, what it means really is like, what are you doing consistently? And is it driving you toward or away from your goal? Because there's, there's very little in, in the middle. It's either you're going towards your goal or away from your goal. And if your goal is to be a Christ follower, then whatever you're doing consistently to do that, uh, that's a discipline, right? And I think about like our examples in the Bible, like a Solomon or David that wrote the Old Testament, like Solomon didn't just ask for wisdom and have wisdom. Like he had a discipline of reflection and writing it down. Otherwise we would not have 31 Proverbs, right? Like he had a discipline. And so if you want wisdom, then set aside some time to reflect and journal about it. That's what I get from Solomon, right? And so I think incorporating these healthy disciplines, even though it's kind of like, when you think about discipline, you just get this ugh, this like weird feeling about it because it doesn't sound like a good word. That's an incredible word to help you become the person that you want to become. Yeah, I want to have last few questions, maybe switch gears a little. How did Bucks and your participation involvement in Bucks shape and form you as a leader now? How did it influence you as you do your job and work? And what would you say to a guy in Bucks now that what would he do to maybe even prepare for work and going into the adult world? Yeah. Uh, Bucks taught me how to be a leader and how to be a man. So just 
I, I won't say that it was the opportunity, but it's a continued opportunity. It's like the gift that keeps giving. But the people that I found in Bucks that I wanted to be like, I got to be around an awful lot, and I still am. And so Bucks, I don't see this as this like four-year journey. It's actually a journey right now. Like I'm, I have Bucks brothers texting me that I went to school with, and they're the guys that are guiding me, sharpening me, challenging me, et cetera. So I would say like Bucks in college is just a, is a small snippet of time, but Bucks impact long-term on my leadership journey continues even today. But I'll say like, I had my first as the vice president, my, my um, fraternity for a short period of time. I had my first kind of go at leadership through it. Uh, I didn't, I didn't know the value of a mentor back then. I wish I had a mentor back then. I didn't know the value of a mentor back then. So I got to like screw up a whole bunch and Jason Hoyt was really gracious with us. <laughs> um, so I, I think we got to kind of dive in the deep end without a, a ton of uh, recourse or, or, um, you know, things that were without a ton of like, uh, oversight that was, uh, that would get us in trouble for things that were, were maybe a little bit off. Um, but I wish I'd known the value mentorship back then, mm-hmm. but I would say um, there was that aspect of leadership, but mostly the relationships, right? So if I had to look back and think back to my college years, which is a little bit over a decade ago and do anything differently, I would say I spent a lot of time studying and I still think I did okay with the relationships of Bucks because I still have them and we're, I mean, they're my best friends, right? But I wish I'd spent maybe some more time developing some of the relationships in the organization that maybe I'm not as close to now. You know, I have like a dotted line to, or maybe I have uh, an acknowledgement of our relationship, but they're not quite as close because those are people, when you're in college, you got 30,000 people in a university like Georgia. And you got less than a hundred here that are of like minds, like circumstance. You're going to connect some on something, right? There, you got a commonality that you can connect on, and then you can form those relationships and grow with them. And to me, that's mm-hmm. kind of the the secret sauce, the magic of a journey with Bucks. It's forming those relationships, finding people that you want to be like, and and surround yourself with them. Great. And then I think a final question for you is, um, what would you go back and tell your 20 year old self in college? Other than the relationship piece that I just uh, mentioned, I would say like, don't take it so seriously. (laughs) (laughs) This is college. What is college? College is a time in life where society is equipping you to add value to the greater society, right? That's if you boil it down, that's what it is. And so what they don't tell you is that value is created in many, many ways, not just your, your test scores on an accounting test, right? Um, value is also created through um, how you have emotional, uh, emotional intelligence that you've gleaned over the many networking connections that you've had in your fraternity, whatever that is. And so it's not worth stressing about A's, B's, et cetera. Um, at the end of the day, like you're going to leave college and you're going to be successful as long as you pursue excellence and mission and work hard. That's it. Maybe treat people with care. Those are kind of three things. So I would say like, don't take the studies as, as serious. You still want to do well in that because if excellence is your mission, if you want to reach your potential, you got to do that, but you also need to prioritize other things about the college experience. Um, 
And then I also think that it is an incredible time to start habits that will set you up for success long-term. So find a mentor, find the value of mentorship, um, find accountability in a small group, find uh, a rhythm of morning quiet times uh, or nighttime quiet times. It doesn't really matter, but I think morning quiet times are, are beneficial for a number of reasons. So those types of habits, you, you need to really start them now because they're not going to get easier to start when you get out of school. Yeah. So. Well, thanks for that, Patrick. That's great. I think attention, have a ton of fun. Don't take it too seriously, but also dig into some good habits and make your life just matter for Jesus in the kingdom. And don't be scared to like just try things and do things for with mentors and friends and yeah don't be scared to like study the bible and use marginal time well and so i think just thankful for you as a leader who's honestly the past few years i've gotten to hear from you through core leadership retreat back when that wasn't canceled because of corona and grown a lot from the things you shared we got to sit for three plus hours in a chick-fil-a and you share so just to let you know i want to say thank you for your leadership and making me a better leader and to think how i can influence and serve and love people and take care of them better in all my spaces i go um, and thanks for this conversation with you. It means a lot. Hey, it's my pleasure. And know that every time that I'm with you, Gabe, and, and honestly with our guys, I learn a lot too. So it's a it's certainly a mutually beneficial friendship that we have. Uh, so I appreciate it. There's uh, clear, it's clear to me that um, God has given us the opportunity to continue to connect and I'm grateful for it. Last burning question in everyone's hearts is nationally, what are the uh, top two like most sold products from Chick-fil-A? I'd be curious to know. Yeah. Uh, the thing that everyone buys with every meal period is waffle fries. So, I mean, like you, I mean, waffle fries are the number one, um, but some form of chicken uh, on the regular side. So like the, the chicken sandwich or the nuggets, they're the ones that have the, the biggest longevity and brand. And so of course people do that, but I will tell you, this is a secret that like, I don't know that should be shared, but I'm going to tell you anyway. We can decide we if are, we want to keep it in or not. After, after I'm this. pretty excited about it, but uh, I'm working with this team that's testing a sandwich in the North Carolina area, um, in a couple communities in North Carolina. And the, the sandwich is going to be, it's called a honey pepper pimento cheese sandwich. So Wow. Yeah. So it's like our chicken with pickled jalapenos, pimento cheese on top, drizzled with honey. I mean, what? <laughs> what is that? Chick-fil-A can do anything, and I will believe in it, and I will try uh, it, and I bet it will be excellent. Well, my wife had it. She was on a girl's trip to Asheville this weekend, and she rated it a 10 out of a 10. So that's wow. uh, that's saying a lot for her. She's pretty critical over our stuff, so <laughs> she's good. <laughs> Hey, well, hopefully everyone listening, you know a little bit more about Chick-fil-A. You just got a fun little secret and you know a lot more about leadership, about living a principled life, about building habits, how to treat people and that what gets you far and what gets ideas and things far as relationship more than us trying to do it on our own. Any great idea and any great thing I think goes farther with people together than by ourselves. So Patrick, any final words? Are you good? Yeah, I mean, I just would open the opportunity if anyone wants to connect. I uh, trust that Gabe will give you my information. 
and always willing to have a conversation. I remember what it was like to be in college and certainly immediately after college, trying to figure out career and life and family and all those things. I'm happy to talk through it with you. Perfect. If, if y'all want to see and can see his contact information, connect with Patrick Cousins, you can check out probably the notes in this podcast. We'll put it there. We'll put any other resources that we have for y'all to help in leading a principled life or anything pointing back to how to just cultivate relationships well. Otherwise, thank you, Patrick, for joining us and talking to us, teaching about leadership, how I can walk with the Lord and have greater impact. And thank you, everyone, for joining us on the Core Leadership Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of the Core Leadership Podcast. My name is Kaysen. I'm the producer of this podcast and the director of communications for Beta Upsilon Chi. I want to take this last moment, as always, to talk a little bit about Bucks and who we are. We are a lifelong brotherhood of committed Christian men seeking the bonds of brotherhood and unity in Christ through the avenue of a social fraternity on a college campus. Our founding verse is Psalm 133.1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. You can find out more about Bucks, information on joining, founding a chapter on your campus, or donate at byx.org. You can keep up with us on social media at Beta Upsilon Chi on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thanks again, and we'll see you in two weeks.